Well, God bless you. This is Elias Flores, and I'd like to welcome you once again to Prophetic Whispers as we are going to be delving into this this highly controversial topic of um, God or Caesar. And uh, I think it's extremely important uh, to understand the climate that we're living in. And so we're going to take a deep dive into the Word of God. And we're going to really uh, draw the picture of whether or not Jesus was a political, a political um, entity, or was he a politician, or was he just oblivious to those type of um, movements that he didn't acknowledge anything? And so uh, we're going to we're going to look at the scriptures. We're going to look at what's going on today, and. Um, Maybe even take a good look at why uh, the church is so unclear on um, what direction to go. So again, welcome to Prophetic Whispers, lesson number three. I pray you enjoy this. I want you to subscribe, let your friends, let your Christians, those that um, that uh, need answers to life's questions regarding faith, regarding, regarding the culture, what to believe. We're going to be getting to all things theological, all things psychological and cultural. We'll be getting into all those uh, discussions and uh, we definitely want to delve into this hot topic today, uh, God or Caesar. Now, what brought this on was the fact that um, never, never, ever in the history, well, of course, I've been around for 50, going on 58 years in September, it'll be 58 years. And I have never seen the church ever shut down. I've never seen the church stop or cease to function the way it functioned. And uh, it has never been told by the government to do one thing or another. Okay, uh, so, uh, you know, to the knowledge of, of, of censorship and the, the, and the closing of the doors that we are seeing today. It's happening all over the nation. The body of Christ has been stifled in the sense of, how we serve God, how we do our our sacraments, how we do our worship, how we do the, and that's unprecedented, that's unheard of. And I was um, uh, just to let you know, I was I was stating this uh, frustration to my daughter, and um, my daughter, being a historian and and uh, very very um, educated regarding the the United States history and and global history, um, she reminded me, she goes, Dad, um, very, very kindly, you know, you you as a father, once you raise your children to become adults, you begin to realize that your children become masters in certain topics that you need information from. And uh, being that uh, we sent her to school and and, uh, and she learned and she's educated, uh, she kind of patted me on the head and, and she said, Dad, let me explain something to you. The the United States of America or the Western Church here in the United States has never had to fight for freedoms of religion and expression. This is the first time, this is the first time that we have ever had to fight and the church is unprepared to fight. We don't have the messages down, we don't have the right voice, we don't have, we have no tactics and no strategies, so we immediately obeyed. She goes, remember in 1962 when they took prayer out of school? I said, well, I was born in 1962, but I do know that that was when they took prayer out of school. She goes, why did that happen? It's because the church did not know how to defend its liberty to pray in schools. Why? Because they were unprepared for this enemy. So what we are finding out, the reason you have mega, mega churches that are not that are not saying anything is because they don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. They have no expression because they don't want to sound, they don't want to fall in the persecution of Caesar or the government, and they don't want to cause problems. So we don't have models of how to fight for our religious freedom because we never had it. We have never had it taken away from us. And now that we now that the government has used this COVID-19 or this pandemic, and we're going to talk about that uh, as we as we move forward, um, now that they're using that against you as a as leverage to shut you down, safety over freedom, um, we we have an issue, and the church has not had any answers to it. Above all the great revelations, above, above all the great revelations that come off the pulpits from all these mega churches and all these mega ministries, you see them all now with, with uh, distancing, you see them all shut down, you see them all with masks on, you see them all afraid of an inferior enemy called sickness or disease, okay, which is 
which is an enemy of the gospel, which is an enemy of the Bible, which there is a doctrine called divine healing that all of a sudden the church has forgotten. Okay, where are the divine healers? That's the question. Is there any healing balm in Gilead? That's Jeremiah. Okay, so this is a huge issue. This is an issue that we need to delve into and say, what has happened to the Western church? What have we become because we maybe have failed to preach the gospel? Have we given to Caesar what belongs to God? Huh? That's the major question. And we've done that maybe because we always said Jesus was not political. Therefore, our churches are not political. So we're going to look at this and um, delve into God's Word. I'm going to give you a couple examples here of two great men that have stood up. Okay, One I totally agree with. I, I, I follow his doctrine. Uh, in fact, I'm one of his members of his church. And uh, the other one, I, I, I'm aware of his theology. I love his Christology or his study of Christ. Some of the doctrines that he preaches on holiness, righteousness, um, heaven, hell, sin. I, I totally agree with that. But when it comes to pneumatology or the study of the Spirit, we're so far apart. I mean... Uh, he believes that um, that uh, if you're filled with the Spirit, with the manifestation of speaking in tongues, if you believe that the Holy Spirit can come upon you and that you can have revelations from God, that you are not going to go to heaven. So that we we are polar opposites of certain things, but there's certain there's certain aspects that um, um, I join him with, and so I'm going. I want to just uh, open this up on on uh, what is happening in our current culture, and then I'll take you back into um, the time of Christ, okay? And what was going on there, and what it looked, what a politician looked like back then, okay? So let's look at John MacArthur, okay, from Grace Community Church here in California. Again, all the crazy stuff happens here in California. It's absolutely true. We have Hollywood here. We have everybody trying to be hip, cool. We have everybody trying all the new age stuff. This is all, yes, this is the far left home as well as New York. It's another, that's the other coast, okay? And so here in California, we got a lot going on, okay? We have a lot going on. So let's look at God, God or Caesar. That's the idea. So let's look at John MacArthur, okay? John MacArthur at Grace Community, um, he says this, after winning a temporary battle, Pastor John MacArthur and his Grace Community Church in California held indoor services despite the local officials' orders, orders to shut the evangelical church down over the pandemic restrictions. They don't want us to meet, this is what he said, and that's obvious, MacArthur said, and MacArthur told his flock. They're not willing to work with us. They just want us to shut down. But we're not going. But we're not here to bring honor. But we're here to bring honor to the Lord. MacArthur has led the Los Angeles area uh, for a half a century, and on Friday went to court to challenge a public health order forbidding the indoor service at at the 3,500 3, seat mega church. Trump campaign legal advisor Jenna Ellis is helping to defend. So what you have to understand is we. Um, we, the body of Christ, we won the initial decision. Okay, we 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 won that night in court. They said, "Go ahead and have your services, and we'll meet September fourth, and we we will have uh, more understanding, and we'll give a definite judgment on this." Well, what we found out is the fact that on Saturday the court met, and another judge, a higher judge, said, "No, it's not going to happen." So they were back at it. So this Sunday, okay, and I was following this. This Sunday, John MacArthur, they opened up the service just like they said they would. They didn't care. He stood up and he, he, there was no social distancing. That we, I saw on video one young lady with a mask, a young, a young lady, but there was no, everybody was together. And he was on CNN uh, speaking and he said, listen, listen, it is our job to open the doors. We are a church. We are essential. We are vital to the community. We have been in existence since uh, since the beginning of time the church has. And we're not going to close down because you say so. Okay? You, you didn't want to work with us, so we're going to serve the Lord. 
I mean, it was a powerful statement. He said this on CNN. You can look at, you can look it up. You can Google that uh, John MacArthur and CNN interview where he, they were kept trying to tell him, well, you know what? Uh, while the numbers and the numbers are going high in uh, about the pandemic here in California, and aren't you concerned? He says, listen. The doors are open. It's by people's free will and by their freedoms that they come in. They're making decisions on their health. They're making decisions on their life. They love the Lord. They're coming here, and it's our job to service the people because we are we are a service and a community. And um, they were stunned because she says, no, we're not going to give Caesar what belongs to God. We're going to love God. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to we're going to continue our our practices and they had over 5,000 show up at Grace Community which lets you know that um, there is a strong force of belief here in California just in the just in the area where he's at and there's many more so we have one pastor that stood up okay and he decided to say you know what I'm going to give God what belongs to God Caesar don't want to work with me, so guess what? I'm not going to give Caesar what belongs to God. Very pointed, and that's very clear. So he stands up for his constitutional and theological rights. Okay. Then we had here in California, we had Cheon, Pastor Cheon, one one of the apostolic leaders here in California, and um, here at H Rock here in Pasadena, and. This is what he said, okay? The governor, the governor neither reminded protesters, okay? Because the complaint was, you can protest in the streets and stand side by side, no mass, no, you can destroy property, you can have thousands, okay, in the streets, rioting and, and uh, protesting, and that's perfectly fine. While you're not treating the church that way, we're not getting the same rights and privileges that you gave them. Okay, so the lawsuit was filed, and this is what he says. The governor neither reminded protesters of current orders in, in place affecting citizens of California, nor diligently addressed protesters regarding the necessity to social distance while thousands gathered. Soon thereafter, Governor Newsom enacted the latest order which criminalized the worship of God, okay, both in the house of God and in private residence. Okay? And in addition, criminalizing singing, chanting, and the other means of praise. This, this um, egregious wrong and set a double standard prompted Pastor Cheon from Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry, HIM, advocate for his First Amendment rights and equal treatment to all citizens by initiating a federal complaint. Now, this is going to the federal court. This looks like the Supreme Courts, okay, knowing, knowing the levels that we are going to on this. Now, listen, this is important. He says, by initiating a federal complaint, Pastor Cheon said it best himself. The church has been essential for 2,000 years. The church has has forever been and will continue to be a place of healing for people, a place of salvation, strength, love, guidance, and ultimate unity. Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministries stands against the injustice and the division targeted against segregation of civil liberties and among citizens, and the injustice in deeming God and the praise of God as, not, as both non-essential and now criminal in the state of California is unacceptable. Now we have mega churches, a few of them that are standing up, and there's some others, but these are the two that I wanted to highlight as men of God decided to stand up and say, no, we're going to give God what belonged to God. We tried to respect what the what Caesar wanted, but enough is enough. Caesar want, We gave Caesar an inch, and now Caesar wants a mile, and we're not going to give Caesar what belongs to God. And that is a very powerful stance, okay? There's many doctrinal implications in this that I'll get into as I close, but I just wanted to let you know that we have men of God that have stood up and said no. Why? Because they want us to give Caesar what only belongs to God. Which brings me to, to, my, to my, um, my topic, 
okay and how i'm going to lay this out where number one is jesus was jesus political was he was he part of the political system did he think he was was he trying to was he trying to to um overthrow the government what was jesus we're going to look at this but what we first have to lay out is number one what was what was a politician what is what does it mean to be political especially back in the day of Christ what was it political what did Aristotle and um, Plato and Socrates as they laid out democracy and law and and in organizing civilization and societies and ethics and morals that uh, came out of the Greek um, Empire, empire and flowed into the Roman government and there was a lot of the formation that they pulled from from the Greek philosophers listen let's we have to get that understanding of what was a politician let's let's take a look at what a politician is and then we're going to draw then we're going to draw Christ out in the scriptures and we'll get a closer picture okay what is political okay what does it mean to be political you hear that in our churches today many pastors are quiet because they don't want to be political we're told in family meetings don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics that is the biggest lie that is the biggest lie you can fall into why you'll find out okay what is political or what does it mean to be political that means you become a you become a public figure who wields power over in 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 identifiable groups of supporters with the intention of carrying out social agendas okay so that is the idea of a political or becoming political when you have when you have influence and you will power over an identifiable group okay a group of people that that people can point to and say they follow him then you now become a political figure okay a political figure now let's keep moving the Greek word polis means city okay means really comes from the Greek word to to be city polis where you get policy from so you need the policies to build a city or to build a republic you need policies that keep order in place that is why that is why when you start looking at a political figure you start looking at someone that has authority over an identifiable group right and once they have authority and you can identify yeah that person is with Jesus then guess what then you start saying how are they living and what rules do they live under and now you begin to see how they begin to shape a city they begin to you see how policies or the polis or the, how the city is formed because of the influence of a leader okay now the Greek word politim politi Politimeo, okay, that's a little tongue twister, okay, it adds a, it adds a, it adds a, a few little more syllables to it, means this, not only means the administration and the structure of a political body itself or its members, the significant feature of the Politimeo is that it has official, it has officials who establish rules for the community, so a political has the realms of an influencer, then the one that can shape the city by its policies and then it has officials that establishes the rules so now if you look at jesus as he comes down he establishes the fact that he's going to have some disciples he's going to have followers he's going to have an inner circle and he's going to begin to preach the kingdom of god now am i saying that jesus was a political figure no what i'm going to say is that he was viewed as a political figure because he met the criteria of a threat to sway the people away from roman rule okay that's why the romans sick the pharisees on him to try to corral him theologically they couldn't do it to try to slow him down they used his family mary and the boys tried to come against jesus calling him crazy why because of the influence read your bible and you'll find that jesus was influencing the masses okay so whether jesus was political in the sense that i know i'm political or i'm going to run for office okay because don't forget he always said anytime they try to make him king he says no i'm not going to be a king i'm not i'm i'm not here for that purpose i've come to die i didn't come here to reign and reestablish israel in the physical now i came to die and restore 
man back to God. I know why I've come. So when you and I start looking at Jesus now, we, we want to start looking at him through the eyes of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Romans. They, were, they began to see how he was influencing people. Okay, now this brings us to today. Now let's look at let's look at why our government and why our governors would would want to silence the church. Why would they want to silence the church? I mean, the church is not even political. The church has nothing to do with um, the church has nothing to do with politics. Remember, because we're not of this world. Okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to that thought and that idea, but. Let's listen to let's listen to this uh, political figure. He is the president of the uh, Democratic Party by the name of Tom Perez. Back in December fifth, two thousand and eighteen, after they were trying to they were trying to reconcile why they lost. Okay, uh, Tom Perez gets up um, and he listened to what he says regarding regarding the influence. Okay, regarding influence regarding what their next tactic is now this is 2018 listen to what he says okay this is one minute and 38 seconds um and uh just listen to what he says when you start saying the church is just the church but it's not the church how the church sees itself it's how society sees the church listen listen to a politician the president of the democratic national convention and the national party the chair tom perez okay he has a major complaint listen to it that we're fluent in what's happening across our ecosystem so that we can come to each other's defense because we need to build a bigger orchestra they've had a big orchestra for some time and they've got the megaphones to amplify it whether it's sinclair at a local level fox at a national level i've learned this from the outreach we've done at the DNC, why are we penetrating, I asked. And I had someone in Northwestern Wisconsin tell me, you know what? For most of the people I know, their principal sources of information are Fox News, their NRA newsletter, and the pulpit on Sunday. And it should come as a surprise to no one that our message doesn't penetrate. It should come as a surprise to no one that that person has elevated the issue of course, to the top, because that person on the pulpit is saying, ignore everything else that this person has done and is doing. We have to focus on one issue of Roe versus Wade. And people buy it, because that's their only source. So as we move forward here, we've got to talk about these substantive ideas, but we've got to talk about a broader communication strategy. We've got to talk about other reforms that are going to enable us to elect Democrats up and down the ticket so that we can actually have the capacity to implement it. There you go. There you go. When you start looking at the strategy, and you start looking at how they view, or what I mean they, the Democratic Party, okay, now again, this is politics, okay, how they view the church, how they view the pastors, they want you quiet, they want you silent, they don't want you preaching against against their, their agendas, okay, now again, we're going we're gonna to get moved further into it, but I wanted you to see that whether or not, as I'm painting the picture here for you, that we are not political in the sense of their arena, we are political because of how they view us and how we influence and hinder their policies and how we stop them from overtaking us, how whenever they come against our liberties and our freedoms and our rights, our message of freedom, okay, our message of freedom of speech, okay, again, because there's a lot of people, and I've heard pastors, um, I've heard even uh, uh, T.D. Jakes, and I know some people really love T.D. Jakes, I love the brother, you know, have nothing Ill, no ill feelings about him, but he preached a sermon that said, just because we have Christians in our nation does not mean that we are a Christian nation. He began to echo some of those, some of those sentiments that uh, we are not one nation under God, okay? That we are no longer um, a constitutional republic from Judeo-Christian values, okay? Again, those are politics, 
okay so how they view us okay how they view us is what is important okay how did they view Jesus because of his influence they view Jesus as a threat they view Jesus as an enemy as as someone that was going against what they were trying to accomplish just like today you heard it from Tom Perez the DNC they listen to their pulpits that's why do you think they can't get they can't get abortion um, the way they want why why they can't get some of their uh, open borders why they can't get all those things um, the way they want why because the church the pulpits because the pulpits are conservative conserving the Word of God and conserving and conserving the Constitution mainly so what do they try to do and we see it today we see it where they try to infiltrate us theologically okay we've seen that with the LGBTQ community infecting the church okay so we have a lot of we have a lot of um, political things even though we say we're not political but they deem us a political threat why do you think they want to silence the praise and the worship and the church Okay, because if they can stop, if we can stop listening to the preachers on Sunday, then guess what? Then they, we have to listen to their news. We have to listen to their TV, their internet. Now they become the megaphones. They become, they be, uh, become the number one voice in our lives, in in our, in, in our, in, in our thinking. They become to shape you know, uh, or engineer the, the, the responses that they want in us because they're the only voice. They want to shut the church down. And thank God we have pastors that start saying, enough is enough. We're not going to give Caesar what belongs to God. Okay? We're not going to do it. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to open up. Okay, we're going to open up and it's happening and it's happening more. Something great is happening in our nation uh, spiritually. We're waking up. The church is waking up. Okay, so when we start looking at, when we start looking at a, a republic and we start looking at political, is the church political? And what we, again, you have to start looking at how the Pharisees viewed Jesus, how the Romans viewed Jesus. What was Jesus doing? Okay, so again, Jesus didn't come out and say, I'm running for office, but Jesus set up his office. Jesus set up his office. Okay, and so this is important. So, you know, when you start looking at the pol the politics of it all, you know, how they view Jesus. Well, here's an example. Okay, in Rome, in the Rome synagogue, could, the Rome synagogue could be classified uh, a polis or a city within the borders. In other words, a church is a city. You know why? Because we have rules. We have rules independent from the governance of the city that govern the church. So now we have our own rules. Okay, that's why they hate the Bible. That's why they hate the Bible, because the Bible is our rule. So what you have MacArthur do, what you had, what you had um, Pastor Cheon do, is they stood up on what? The Bible, which is the rule of God, which is the main factor that rules within our four walls. What they're saying is that out here in these four walls in the society, we rule. Okay, But when we come to church, the word of God rules, and we carry out our edicts, from the Word of God. And, and so this is important to understand. We don't see ourselves political, but they do. Why do you think if you go on Facebook, if you go on, and I know this for a fact, going on Facebook, going on uh, YouTube, going on all these uh, public platforms, if you mention certain things, if you speak against certain things, they'll censor you and cut you down. If you if you point out the wrongs of the culture, if you, if you preach transformation, I believe it was... Um, uh, uh, Bill 143 here in California, I believe it was in 2019, where they tried to pass that we can no longer teach transformational theology, holiness, righteousness, and, and, and um, you know, the, the redemption of sin, changing their ways. We couldn't preach that anymore. Uh, they tried to pass a bill on that so that because they said that our, our teaching was offensive that it didn't work and it only leads to depression and destruction and and so we were so we have those challenges that's how they view it. we don't view ourselves political we view ourselves as spiritual people who love god but because we influence we stop their voice we stop their movement they can't have that 
Okay, so you're seeing an assault on the church. They're using the pandemic. They use the pandemic as a reason to leverage censorship to silence us. We have an election coming. It's all being used for that purpose, to silence the church, to silence righteousness, to silence the voices, okay? In order so their voice is the only one that's heard. You've heard it right from, from the Democratic Party's mouth. Silence the church, get people away from the pulpits, get the pastors quiet, shut them down so that our voice is the only one that matters. Very interesting. So Plato, listen, so Plato and Socrates, you know, um, they came up with, they both wrote politics being the, establish, the establishment of the common good for the city, okay? Plato defines politics as the art which has the management of men's souls in the end. In other words, policies are for the good of the people. We want to have good people at the end. Society. And what do you think Jesus was doing? He was rehabilitating people. His messages were life transforming. So the influence was going his way. Was Jesus a politician? No. But he was having his preaching that was touching the politics of the day. Okay, I hope you understand that. I hope this is clear as mud for you. Okay, so hence, the important factor was that a group of independent governance, okay, so, you know, independent governance, so if Jesus established or reestablished God's assembly and provided definite leadership within it, this could then be considered a political role. So when Jesus reestablished the kingdom, when he reestablished and took the Torah to a higher level, when he took John the Baptist's message to a higher level, when he elevated everything with different rules, higher power, the move of the Spirit, guess what? This could have been viewed as a political role. Okay? This is true with the evangelical movements that would deliberately attract Okay, affecting other political associations as Jesus' followers did. Listen to this. Okay, listen to what Paul says. Paul writes in Philippians 1 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. Well, what about the Roman, uh, what about the Roman government that we're living under? No, no. Listen to what Paul says because Paul gives the governance from the church that's higher than the government rule, than the Roman government. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So our job is to follow the word of God, is to what? Live worthy of Jesus Christ. Not live worthy of this culture, of the edicts of the government, of them. Paul is very specific on this. Now watch Philippians 3.20, okay? This is, again, the same thing, okay? Let me read this. Let me read this little portion to you, okay? It says, Paul urges the church, Paul urges the church to extend the policies of Jesus Christ or the politics of Jesus even in the colony and the regions. What are, what are the... What are politics? Those are rules. Those are edicts that bring and manage the souls of people towards their good. Again, there's good politics and there's bad politics. Okay? Philippians 3.20 20 says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we have a heavenly citizenship. That's where we receive our heavenly rights. That's where, again, when you look at the Constitution, it says that we are endowed by these inalienable rights by our Creator. Again, here it is. Okay, so now we see where Paul is laying and putting the power structures in order. Okay, he starts saying, You live unto Christ no matter what, you live unto Christ. This pandemic, and if you start seeing this thing, what have they done to us? They've taken our worship away. They don't get close to each other. Stop talking. You, you know, don't don't worship. Don't sing. Don't gather. Don't come under. Don't they? They're shutting it down. Why? Because they want us to act like citizens from this earth. Okay, and instead of citizens from heaven, it's very powerful. Philippians one twenty seven. Paul writes that distinct. Only let your kind of be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay? 
Now, let's look at, okay, now that we kind of laid this out, you're kind of getting the picture of this, let's look at what what a politician, what does it take to be a politician, okay? Number one, you have to have an agenda, okay? Socrates said this, the good of man is is at the end of the science of politics. In other words, how do we improve men? How do we make people better? Well, we have salvation. We have the Word of God. We have the Torah, the law. We have, we have the Word of God. This is the agenda. Heaven, God's Word is the agenda of heaven. The redemption, the forgiveness of sin, the confession of faith, the healing, the deliverance, the, all this is the agenda of heaven. So now we know that Jesus had an agenda. For this, for this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the That is the agenda. So now we know that Jesus had an agenda and a marching order. Don't forget, um, I won't get into that. Number two, he had power. Okay? Power. Because listen, all political all political um, law has to has power in the middle of it. How do we have power over people? How do we control people? How do we control behaviors? Watch this. A public figure who wields power over an undeniable group of supporters with the intention of carrying out the agenda. Scribes maintain the law and the prophets criticize the law and the police and the police, okay, Okay, criticize the police. What's the police? The police are the politics or the, the, the citizenry, okay, the city, okay, if you will. And he says, but the thief or the, or the simpleton of the day, he disrupts it. In other words, he doesn't obey it. He thinks he's above it or doesn't, it doesn't apply to him. Okay, so that's how you understand the politics. The policies that people don't follow. Why? They're, di they're disrupting the policy. Okay? So guess what the church is doing right now? Guess what Pastor Cheon at HROC and, and uh, Grace Community, MacArthur are doing? They are what? They're disrupting the police. They're disrupting the politics. They're disrupting the rule. Why? Because they are now standing up for the standards of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they are making a kingdom decision. Okay? Now let's look at this. Hey, I got uh, I got about ten more minutes. I want to go about ten, maybe maybe fifteen more minutes, and then we'll wrap this up. I hope you are enjoying this discussion. Okay, the kingdom of God. And again, if there's a kingdom, there has to be a king, and evidently Caesar was not the king. So right away, just just the preaching of a kingdom, a different kingdom, made him a political foe made him someone that was against the established system. Watch Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Now John, now John, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel. Okay? Matthew 4, 23. And, and there's many more. There's, there's more. Okay, I'm going to give you some more stats, but this is a podcast and, and not a theological um, uh, uh, dissertation. But this is to start wetting your appetite to start getting involved. We cannot allow our country to go the wrong way because we're trying to not be political. And when they're looking at you as a political pawn. Okay. And Jesus went about in all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues. What was he doing in the synagogues teaching? Because teaching is changing behaviors. He was influencing people, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, okay, of the kingdom, and healing all those, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. What was he doing? He was, he was influencing and drawing people towards him. What was that doing to the political axis of the day? It was taking the focus off the off the Pharisees and Sadducees system and putting it on him. And if you were away from the Sadducees and Pharisees, now you were away from Roman control. Now you were under the kingdom of God and under a different king. Okay? And I know many people say, well, Jesus is not political. And I have a lot of, I got, you get a lot of pastors that are really afraid of things. You know, I don't want to be political. I don't want to talk about abortion. I don't want to talk, I don't want to turn into a political thing. I don't want to talk about homosexuality. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about uh, uh, transgenderism. I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about adultery. I don't want to, I don't want to turn political. I don't want, I don't want to talk about open borders and immigration. I don't want to talk about law. I don't want to talk about, because it's, it's, it's not, 
yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to sound like a politician. If you influence people, you are a political foe to them. You heard, you heard them. If you are preaching the gospel, you're shaping lives. They know the power of a pulpit. You don't. Okay? We don't. That's why they're silencing us on all major platforms. Why? Because they understand the power of a pulpit. Amen. I'll leave that, let you think about that for a second. Wake up. You are powerful. You are a man and woman of God. You've got the Word of God in you. We live by the edicts of the gospel, the Word of God, the kingdom of God, with a king that has a different set of rules. Okay? That's what Philippians 1.27 was. We live unto Christ. Our behaviors are pleasing to Him. We do anything to please Him. Everything else is secondary. Okay, watch John. Now this is where this is where we get the misinterpretation where it says um, where Jesus faces Pilate and Pilate answered, "Am I a Jew? You, your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done?" Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were in the world, my servant would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not." from here. What's he saying? He's not saying I'm not political. He just says my headquarters is not here on earth. Okay, My headquarters is in heaven. I came from heaven. I, that's what he told uh, um, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 11. He says, if I spoke to you earthly things, you would understand them. But because I come from heaven, I speak heavenly things and you don't understand it. I have a different, I have a different marching order. I have a different agenda. I have a different way of demonstrating power, which is influence through love, influence through care, influence through deliverance, influence. This is the power of the church through reconciliation. So now you see uh, you see, uh, John in uh, John writes about Pilate. Pilate says, "What have you done?" He says, "My kingdom's not of Are you the king of the Jews? You know, I mean, this is this is very powerful to understand. No, Jesus did not lean into their power play to make him an earthly king. He just said, "My my my headquarters is in heaven." See the game. The see the politics that Jesus played. What a politician. He never denounced. He never denounced being a king. He denounced the fact that he was not king in this system. Okay? I hope you understand that. Okay? So, the misinterpretation is, I don't want to be in politics. I don't want to sound political. I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to, you know, I, want to, I just want to preach the word. Well, if you're not shaping lives that's shaping the culture, you're not doing anything. If you're not if you're not having people upset at your preaching at times and causing them to think you're not doing anything, if you're not challenging the culture that they're living under instead of a life pleasing to Christ, you're not doing anything. His headquarters is not on this earth, but in heaven, and not in not that it would not be manifested on earth. That's true. See, in other words, Jesus says the kingdom of God is is is, is coming near you. It's nigh unto you. The kingdom of God enter in. Well, this is very powerful. Because he prays in Matthew 6.10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. He's not saying, he's not saying that, the, that the kingdom of God will not come to earth. He's saying that, that my headquarters is in heaven, not on earth. Okay? So to further support this, okay, Jesus uses in the Gospels, in the Gospels, 118 times the word kingdom, the kingdom of, of God is used in the Gospels. Okay? 106 times of which... It describes the kingdom of God. In other words, there's references 106 times to the kingdom of God. Okay? But the statement kingdom of God is used 118 times. Okay? Paul writes, okay, Paul begins to write about, about the kingdom of God, okay, later on. But after Jesus, it go, kind of goes quiet until Paul picks it up and Paul begins to write in Corinthians about the kingdom of God. Why? A different king, a different rule. Okay? This is, this is important for us to understand, to start getting our feet with it. It's not normal that you're quiet. You pastors are not, you know, that, have, that have shut your churches down and, and you're doing everything to try to please Caesar. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at this. You know, why are we doing that? Why are we silent? Do you have a 
Do you have a theological perspective? Or just what Caesar says? See, we got different rules we live under. They can't stand it. Okay? You heard them. We got to quiet the pulpits down. Okay? Got to quiet the pulpits down. Okay? I love this. I love this, uh, this, this little teaching here. Because, you know, when you start looking at the, the statement, Kingdom of God, remember Jesus, you know, 118 times in the Gospels, 100, 106 times, it, destri- it describes the Kingdom of God. 67 times, it refers to the Kingdom of God in parables and prayers and beatitudes. Uh, prophecies, eschatological future, future end time prophecies, miracles and stories, all have the kingdom of God described in it. But then you have Paul comes in and Paul starts bringing the kingdom of God. Paul then picks up the term the kingdom of God. Okay? The kingdom of God. He picks it up in 1 Corinthians 4.20. Okay, for the kingdom of God is not, it's not in word, but in power. You know, John, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10. Do, not, oh, do, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Man, see, you understand the rules? Do you see the separate kingdoms? You think you're going to get into this kingdom, living this way? No, no, we have a different edict. We have a different rule. We have a different laws. I know some of us are afraid to disobey the law because we don't want someone to to get sick on us. We don't want somebody to, to sit there. I went to church and I got sick. Listen, when somebody comes to your synagogue, your church, your facility, your home, they are coming on their own free will. They pick themselves up. They assess their health and they decide to come in on their own. They come to worship God. We have, we have stopped making church about God and we started making it about us, our safety, our, 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 our comforts. Our, no, no. You give God what belongs to God. What does that look like? That's up to the individual. There's some people that, that just don't feel comfortable. They want to mask. They, some would just want to stay on viral and do that. Okay, that, that's up to them. But we're starting to see men of God stand up. We're starting to see men of God and women of God stand up and say enough is enough. Okay, enough is enough. I'm going to give to God what belongs to God and to give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Okay, that's very important. Now, why, why is this, this topic so touchy, especially to me? Okay, why is it so touchy to me? Because healing, okay, or divine healing, is part of the finished work of Christ. And to say that a virus is greater than God, and say a virus cannot be healed by God, to say a virus, to say a virus is greater than our gospel and the power of God and the power of the Word of God, that's hypocrisy to its highest form. To sit there and say that, 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 um, that sickness will overtake us, where Exodus 15 tells us that if you obey my words, keep my commandments and follow my instructions, none of these diseases will come upon you for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's where we get Jehovah Rapha. His very nature is healing. This is kingdom. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. We are healed. This is, this is powerful. This is our truth. This is the word of God. Okay, this is our edicts. This is our law. This is the word of God. This is what we live by. This is kingdom language. I don't expect them to understand. They don't understand. We do. Watch this. Okay? Now watch, now, now watch this. Matthew 8, 17. That it may be fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases by whose stripes we are healed, that it may be fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 53, Jesus in Matthew 8, 17 starts, uh, starts manifesting Isaiah 53, that he was going to carry away all sickness, carry away all disease. The gospel of the kingdom is a gospel of healing. Okay, The question is, why, what has happened to our message of healing right now? What has happened? Why is everybody afraid of something that, that's invisible to the most part? Some like, like, you know, wash your hands every minute. You know, uh, uh, you know, don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. This is all, this is all a narrative 
to break down and silence the church. I hope you start beginning to see the plot and the plan. Watch, listen, this is this is um, what I call Pentecostal. This is Pentecostal theology. This is this is the foundation of Pentecostal theology, written by by Guy P. Duffield from uh, uh, and uh, N. M. Van Cleve. This is from Life Bible. This is theology. Okay, this is this was how this was forwarded by Jack Hayford and um, Life Bible College. Okay, this is college stuff. Listen to this. It says, Section four, Section fourteen of the Declaration of Faith of the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel states, we believe that the divine healing is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to heal the sick and the afflicted in answer to believing prayer. That he is that he who is the same yesterday, today, and forever has never changed, but it is but is still all sufficient help in the time of trouble, able to meet the needs of and quicken into newness of life the body as well as the soul and the spirit. In answer to the faith of them who ever pray with submission to his divine will and his sovereign will. This precious doctrine is one-fourth of the four-square gospel and should not be neglected by those who minister the word of God. End of story. So what do we do with that? What are you doing, what are you doing with healing? 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, In the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now the word, now the word depart does not mean to run, to give up their faith. That means that they stopped they stopped teaching what constitutes faith. It's what you believe. They no longer believe in healing. They don't preach healing. There's no more healing services, no more deliverance services. There's no more laying on of hands. There's, there's, no more, there's no more God can heal and do miracles. Where is that right now? Everybody's shut down in pandemic mode because they have now bowed their knee to a inferior God. Why? Because we laid down our doctrines. So I leave this today with you just to think, just to think. This is our doctrine. This is what we've been raised on. You know, time to think. Time to, time to smell the spiritual coffee. And start saying, am I living a life that Christ wants me to? Under His rule? Under His law? Under His authority system? Or have I cowered down to the culture? So again, I just want to leave you today. Was Jesus a politician? Yeah. I think how he shaped and moved and influenced. I think how he, uh, how he answered the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I think they viewed Jesus as a political foe. And Jesus played politics with them and won. Well, God bless you. I pray you enjoyed this. And get ready for tomorrow. We're going to show you the politics of Jesus in greater detail. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon on Prophetic Whispers. Thank you for listening to episode number three. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it inspired thought. Okay. And again, subscribe. Ask, pass it on to friends. Let them know that they can get a fresh word, new insights, new thoughts every single day off our podcast. So God bless you. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.